0: I mean, it's kind of a well-known saying, I think, in the industry, but it's very, very stressed with all the coaches is no docs, no talks. Don't waste your time on a file unless you have the answers in front of you. Otherwise, you're just spinning your tires, looking up hypotheticals, and it's just wasting your time and everybody's time. So that's something I've really held true. And I really kind of make that clear during the discovery call too, that I need all these documents in before I'm going to look at anything. And once they're in, then I usually tell them within 24 hours, you can expect a pre-approval, like a meeting, or I'll send you a video if you can't make it, and then we can talk, whatever the
1: most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers join your host scott peckford on i love mortgage brokering hey welcome to the island b rookie mortgage broker podcast every friday i interview a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's ultra competitive market today i have jordan jantz joining me jordan is one of the amazing brokers at our brokerage and i want to give you a little backstory on jordan so Jordan has funded seven mortgages since getting into the mortgage business for 3600000 million. He's got a pipeline of several more deals that he's working on. And I love my conversation with Jordan. Jordan is from Penticton, BC and talks about how he was an electrician, started into this part-time and then into full-time. Talks about the importance of language and a file that he lost and what he had learned. And then he talks about the importance of no docs, no talk, and not wasting time on hypothetical files that are not actually going to go anywhere. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jordan. Check it out. Before we do, check out our sponsor, FINMO. FINMO is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadians. It is very easy for borrowers to use. As they fill out the application, it's automatically figuring out what documents you need. When you get that application in, you can then go search Lender Spotlight with all the rates, guidelines, and figure out, okay where does the file fit? And then finally, when you go to hit the submit button, It'll actually pull the key data from the application into the submission notes, because if you've ever worked at a lender, what they work with on their side sometimes can be archaic and trying to understand you know, where to find the information. So you make it easy for your underwriter, makes it easy for them to say yes to you. You check out Finmo at lendesk.com Finmo and book a free demo to check out their tool and check out this conversation with Jordan. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Scott. Happy to be here. So, Tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from.
0: My name is Jordan Dance. I am from Penticton, BC, the beautiful Okanagan Valley here, and was born and raised, did some tours, some time in the uh, Lower Mainland there after high school, but now I'm back and settled in. You said tourists, sounds like you're being sent to Afghanistan. The Lower Mainland um, is not
1: like being sent to, I'm
0: just kidding. When you go from uh, the peaceful Okanagan to the busy city, it's a whole big, different it's world. It's a big
1: thing. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay. So been in and how long would you your mortgage license? when did you get that?
0: So I got my license basically last, I think it was November 30th, but I didn't find out till kind of like December 1st morning or something like that. Okay. And then what were you doing before? Well, I'm a ticketed electrician, but I actually stepped away from the electrical when I decided to make the shift there and I was doing my course to get licensed. I got a job at a local brokerage here as a fulfillment underwriter specialist kind of guy. So I got my put it in the door, kind of learn the industry a little bit. And yeah, it helped out a lot.
1: And then, okay, what made you decide to become a mortgage broker from electrician? I mean,
0: right. Well, so other than starting my own electrical company, I kind of was top tier, like I've got a very impressive resume. I've done everything industrial, commercial, residential, I've ran service vans. I've done basically everything you could do on the electrical front. And I just kind of saw the ceiling. Like I just knew like, okay, this is as good as it's going to get. This is as much as I'll ever be able to make in a year, unless I you know, start doing my own self put stuff, which I had no interest in doing. Electrical was very much a means to an end. It was kind of thrown at me. So yeah, then I talked to my little brother who he became a realtor a few years ago, and he just had some success with it pretty early on. And then I just watched every year, he's getting bigger and better. And then I talked to him, I was asking about becoming a realtor, and he talked me out of it and pointed me towards the mortgage broker side. How can
1: he talk to you out of being a realtor?
0: What was his rationale there? His line is, I work 24 hours part-time every day. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible. He's like, yeah, 9 p.m. on a Saturday. You're answering clients at evenings and morning all over. You can't have a schedule. It's really hard to kind of plan a life around it. And then I've always been good with numbers and things. He knew that. So he's kind of like, hey, looking at the mortgage brokering side of things. He knew a couple of brokers. He actually hooked me up with the broker in town that I ended up going to work for for a bit. And he kind of just walked me through. He's like, yeah, this guy, go talk to him. And yeah, it was pretty clear cut that I was more of the broker side than the real estate agent side. Right.
1: And so you basically did fulfillment. How long did you do that? And what were some of the things you picked up from it?
0: I think it was just a little over, it was like four or five months there. It wasn't too, too long. But I mean, I saw maybe, you know, 30, 40 files from start to completion there. And the broker I worked for did a lot of privates, a lot of hard B deals. Like he was kind of known in the area to be doing a lot of the tricky files. So I saw a lot of different files and a lot of ways to solve the problems. And he kind of teaching me along the way to kind of explaining his mindset of what he was doing and it definitely gave me a leg up when I jumped into it myself right so why did you not
1: stay in that role so like you're obviously getting paid I was assumed there's yeah know, I was, it was like a, it was, uh... so, but maybe you're not going to get rich but you're a rookie listen to this I've known people that go through that path they go through assistant and then eventually go hey I want to actually do this but so what made you decide to pull the plug after four months
0: well I sort of always knew that it was going to happen but like Quite honestly, it was just I was still on probation, and he just let me go. He was going a different direction with his business. He was still running on paper and like very old school way of doing things. And then he was just cutting. I think I, I'm not going to
1: mention names, but I'm pretty sure I don't know who that is because I'm I, very far from
0: Yeah, not too many local people. I'm, I guarantee you know. But yeah, no, in my head too, like I always wanted to be in that position where I could call the shots, be my own boss, work for myself. Kind of that whole lifestyle and the freedom that being a successful broker can provide is <laughs> what I was into, rather than a nine to five. Salary job. Right, right. If I wanted that, I could have stayed electrical and I could have made much more.
1: Right. Yeah. You'd make more money as an electrician than you would as an assistant, but you're developing skills that you can use later on. So, okay. Then, so when you decided, okay, I'm going to become a mortgage broker, did you go full time, part time? What did that look like?
0: Well, I was just full time in it because I came off of that uh, fulfillment underwriting job and kind of jumped right into the brokerage here. What I didn't realize was there's going to be like a month and a half waiting period for my license because everything was so backed up from the pandemic there. So, right. I mean, maybe I should. Was it a month uh, and a half
1: for a new license, or was it a transfer, an, or was it a first time setup?
0: It was a first time setup. Right? Yeah, so first right.
1: time is always the worst. Like yeah. depending on the province, it could take. You know,
0: yeah, I think I was just over seven weeks. It was, yeah, um,
1: it was a. I I remember that now, it was a while, right? Yeah, so, you was, were like, you were just like, let me go, let me go. And I'm I like, was, dude, I was you can't, you, like, you cannot be out there looking for business if you don't have a license. It's like yeah. driving without a driver's license, and you know, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. So, okay, you jumped into that. And so, when was that? When was the day you were officially allowed to actually go after business? What was the date on that? Do you remember?
0: I think it was December 1st, is when I was like, oh, okay, so
1: December 1st. Though. And so is there any point that you questioned, Hey, should I be in this? Yeah. Curious.
0: Honestly, no, (laughs) like I was kind of fully bought in the training seemed great. The coaches just hearing the experience of some of the other coaches and newer brokers that are like two, three years in and the success they found even after maybe not closing a deal for six months and how that you just got to trust the program, trust the system and just follow it relentlessly and it will pay off. So I just kind of bought into that right away. So I honestly, I never really had doubts about it.
1: Yeah, you didn't hold back. Okay. So I always say there's two skills, underwriting and sales. So which was more difficult for you to learn and why?
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of like a loaded question. So I would say sales. Yes, right it the is. Bat, and that's why I'm
1: asking it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to ask you easy questions. I'm not here to be like, Oh, so what's your favorite color, Jordan? That's a tough one, yeah. too.
0: So I would say sales was kind of easier just off the bat. Like I'm a very charismatic talkative type of person. I'd have a little bit of sales background, but the underwriting was a huge learning curve. But I found that underwriting after about, you know, that four months of working at that other brokerage and kind of seeing it, I was like, it just it clicked. It was like, Oh, then it's easy. You kind of understand it. If you don't have the answer, you know where to get the answers. And then sales like refining your sales pitches your scripts everything that became a lot trickier because it's such a nuance and it makes the world a difference so i feel like it was easier to jump in and do the sales but to really get good at it it's much harder at the sales
1: yeah it's kind of like skiing versus snowboarding skiing is easy to learn to start snowboarding is definitely more challenging on the front end so I always say everything lives in language, and you're absolutely right. When it comes to sales, the language matters. So, can you think of something where, you know, a change or a tweet that you made, you were like, hey, I was using this language and now I made an adjustment? Because I always find it useful if people can kind of hear, because if you listen to this, being a mortgage broker is a 100% a sales job. Even like the word sales, change it to service, whatever you want to call it, you got to be able to communicate. So, can you think of an example? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but of language that you've made some adjustments to that you found this actually lands better or works better?
0: I feel like just in general, the presumptuous language. Talk to them like you're already working with them. Like it plants a seed in their head that you are working with them, and then you they'll end up more or less working with you. Just those little kind of nuances, little like planting the seed for people, and yeah, just little tiny things. I can't really, I don't top of my head. There's so I know because
1: I'm totally just throwing you. But okay, I I understand what you're saying. So assumptive language is assuming. Here's the next step. Here's what we're gonna do. Not when, not if you choose to work with me. Here, assuming. And yeah. if you basically give people a choice in those situations, in their mind, they're going to be like, well, maybe I need to check around me. I need to talk to somebody else. Maybe I need to... You're actually leaving the door open for that, even if they didn't think about it. They were planning to just you know, use you, Jordan, as your mortgage person. But now the way you framed the conversation, you made it sound like they have to go talk to someone else. So you're right. The language does matter right, in terms of your right. discovery call. And so like one of the things that we do at our brokerage, I don't think everybody does, we do discovery call training and budget training. If you found that helpful... How's has that been for your client conversations? And I'm curious.
0: Yeah, it's obviously been extremely helpful, especially like early on. I'd say I religiously went to all the trainings every day, every week for I think the first five, six months. And then I started to get like really busy where I had to stop going to all of them. And I mean, discovery Call and the budget train, those are probably two of the first ones to go because budget numbers click with me easy. Once I got it, understood how it all worked formulas, yeah. all that stuff, got it down. <laughs> Yeah, the discovery call train too. I try to go in there every time I can because it's a good little touch up, you know, just to maybe someone else figured out a little tweak to a script and it's working good because things are always shifting. But it was the most valuable starting off because with the weak discovery call, you're not going to convert any clients.
1: Right. And, and I always say you've got to make three sales. You've got to sell the referral source to refer you. You've got to sell the client to work with you. Then you gotta sell the lender to do the file. So, like again, it's all sales, like everything is sales. And to me, sales is simply communication. And as long as you have good intentions and good ethics, so you're not trying to like sell somebody something they don't need, then I think that you know it's good to be better at these things. So let me ask you this. So you came in, went through the hundred-day challenge. So, what for you was your biggest sort of takeaway from going through that program?
0: I mean, it's kind of a well-known saying, I think, in the industry, but it's very, very stressed with all the coaches is no docs, no talks. Don't waste your time on a file unless you have the answers in front of you. Otherwise, you're just spinning your tires, looking up hypotheticals, and it's just wasting your time and everybody's time. So that's something I've really held true. And I really kind of make that clear during the discovery call too, that I need all these documents in before I'm going to look at anything. And once they're in, then I usually tell them within 24 hours, you can expect a pre-approval, like a meeting, or I'll send you a video if you can't make it. And then we can talk, whatever. I'll do right, like right. a budget pre-approval. So, well, okay, this is
1: actually a great topic. So if people are listening, if they're like, oh, well, Jordan, why can't you just give me my answers? Like, just tell me, like, what would you say to me if I'm kind of pushing back against that? And I don't I want to get to all that stuff. What would you say to me? I'm curious.
0: I'd be like, well, listen, I understand that you kind of just want to know the number quickly so you can kind of start shopping and get in your head. That's the most exciting part is shopping around, looking at the houses, but I don't want to take the chance of giving you like a not accurate number, a number that's actually true that you can actually purchase on. And I don't also want to give you a shortfall number. I want to give you the most accurate pre-approval possible. So when you're out there shopping, you have confidence in your ability to make that purchase. I don't want to just be throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. So that's why we need to see all the numbers. We need to look at everything ahead of time so that we have the smoothest process at the end once you find that property.
1: Right, that's brilliant. And so do you find, if you talk to 10 people, how many of them will follow through on this enough that you can actually do your job, do you find?
0: Honestly, I'd say it's a little over half will, but it's more of the speed of which they do it. Very rarely it's same day or next day delivery. It usually trickles in over a week or two. I'll follow up kind of once. I'll just say, hey, like, Documents, you have any issues? Let me know. I could probably help find solutions to track down these things. And they usually just give me a sorry, work's been crazy. You know, I'm working on it this weekend type thing. It's like, okay. And then I'll just follow up with them again. But they do usually trickle in. Usually I can get the vibe right away if they're just, you know, not into it. They'll send in maybe one pay stub and that's it. Then they kind of ghost you for a bit. And at that point, I might, uh, just send emails every now and again, and then I'll just kind of once I do touch base, I'm like, are you still interested, like, or are you not interested? Because I'll like, right, right. I'll make them like tell me, so I'm not gonna waste any more time. But yeah. I'll still follow up with them every once in a while, but they're not gonna be uh, top on the list.
1: Right. Okay. And so then, since getting into this and switching from being like electrician to fulfillment to now going to find your business, so do you mind sharing sort of what you funded and what's in your pipeline right now, just so people get a sense of where you are?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I have funded right now about three 6 million i have about another three or four hundred thousand coming soon here and then i got about probably let's call it like five to seven million in pre-approval
1: right what's your average mortgage size because i know people that have you know three mortgages because they am talking to one guy in vancouver and right his average mortgage is a million bucks yeah what wow. is yours at
0: uh, i think it's like 460 it's, it's in the mid fours there I 450 the yes something like that that's what i kind of yeah. estimated
1: so yeah that's awesome man and you know I have another question to ask you. So, making phone calls is part of the process, having to pick up the phone. So, prior to getting in the mortgage business, how were your phone skills, and then how have they changed or improved since becoming a mortgage broker?
0: I never really considered phone a skill before becoming a mortgage broker. So I mean, <laughs> that's not the truth. you just text yeah. or whatever. You're like, yeah, okay, fair I, enough. I've always been though. Here's the one, saying, Grace is I've always been too impatient to want to text a conversation that I will always just call. And uh, like this goes way back, but I'm a middle child of two brothers, right? And when we were really young, my brothers were too shy to ever call, you know, like the water slides or a video game play or anything called your question. They made me call the strangers and do all this stuff. So, like, very early on, I became very outspoken and was, yeah, I'm not too shy.
1: You're good with that. So, it's yeah. funny, I make my kids do that too. So, like, they, they want something, I'm like, you could call and book the hair appointment or whatever, but it's great yeah. to get them to do it. Because yeah. it's just a life skill. You know, I know we're living in a time where most people can do some of that stuff online, but phone skills still matter. And as we know, you know, Dustin Carlson, perfect example of a guy who's got pretty fantastic phone skills. Uh, savage. Yeah. Savage at making phone calls. So that's really good. All right. So let me ask you a few rapid fire questions. You can answer shorter answers if you like. What's one thing people can't find out about you from Google?
0: That I was like growing up very into drawing and stuff and paint and art. And if I wasn't going to do the mortgage brokering thing, I was going to do a tattoo apprenticeship.
1: Really? Yeah. What kind of style is your art? Maybe we need I... almost some like shirt designs or something.
0: <laughs> I'm not much of a graphic designer. Okay. I'm mostly like a lot of black and white, like pencil, charcoal, things like that okay. realism kind of stuff, but also kind of some dark, weird stuff. That's
1: I didn't know you crazy. were deep. You're like, you know, you've got layers, man. It's so like layers. Like got like got layers. Okay. Yep. What's a movie that everybody should watch at least once?
0: Uh, it's not a movie, but a trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogies. I could watch those probably every week and never get sick of them. Yeah, In the age of it. like reboots and remakes, those will never get rebooted or remated. They're perfect.
1: What about uh, what three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without?
0: I would say Finmo is obviously a big one. Google Docs, just having everything so centralized and easy and accessible. And then um, let's go with Loom because video is a big aspect to my business.
1: Right. So, okay. I know it's supposed to be short answers. What are a couple of things you use Loom for that you find found to be useful? I also agree Loom is a great tool, but maybe some are listening, you know, it allows you to send videos that you can specifically to people and you can record your screen and stuff. But so what would you use it for that you find it good?
0: Right. So I use it. I send out videos to referral partners. I use it to capture my own screen, to go over budgets and pre-approvals to record and send to clients if they can't do a live call that day. What kind um, of feedback do
1: you get from clients on those?
0: They love it. They love the personalization and everything. And I just tell them at the end of the video, it's usually about a 10 minute video. And then I say yeah. at the end, like, hey, if you have any questions, give me a call. We'll walk through this on the phone line by line too. Usually they just send me a text or something. They go, love it. Thank you. No questions. And then, yeah. And then we just kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, it's great. Okay. So referral partner strategy video. What are the things, any other things you support?
0: Sometimes I've done it too. Like to help certain clientele who can't figure out Things on the internet, maybe where it like just record your screen, like go here, go to the CRA, hit this button, things like that, just like little yeah. how to to do's. They take a minute to record yourself doing and it makes it very clear to the clients. It's kind of like going a little step above, too, I feel. Right,
1: like. right. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I've, you know, I've coached people to use it. They can't understand the document you're asking for, and you can pull up the document, you can show them and say, hey, right here, this part of the down payment, what is that, you know, $10,000 or this is not a T1, this is a T4, let me show you. And so, like, Whenever possible, I always say show, don't tell, because then people go, oh, okay. you know. So it makes it a little more useful or easy. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker?
0: The best advice I received as a new mortgage broker was probably the no docs, no talks. That and you got to pick up the phone to move the needle. The importance of the phone to get business going. There's too many people that are afraid of the phone. And I have other new brokers kind of ask me this because they know because I'm a little step ahead. They kind of see me on, on the next stage. And they're always like, yeah, I texted all these people, I emailed, I'm like, Did, how many phone calls? So they go, well wow, I, I just regurgitate what you guys told me. It's like the phone moves the needle. It's your number one way to grow your business. So you got it. Absolutely.
1: You got it. Yeah. Okay. And knowing what you know now is anything you do differently if you were to start over?
0: Oh, I would time it so my license didn't show up two weeks before Christmas type of holidays. Yeah, that... Uh, it made the momentum a little trickier right off the start. Yeah,
1: because you did start kind of at an awkward time. It's like, okay, yeah. now I'm like, you know, holidays. And so it really pushed you back another month for yeah. sure because yeah. you were so. not able to get going. So if you're listening exactly. to this, think about if you're making the transition to being a mortgage broker, think about the timing of it. Like I think the fall market's a great time to start, like September, October. Yep. Getting into December, you're going to find it, you know, and then again into the spring market. If you start thinking January, February, now the markets are good. So Okay. Well, hey, man, I'm excited to see what you continue to do. You're doing awesome. And just keep swimming, as they say to Dora, know, just keep swimming. And I've no doubt you're going to continue to grow your business. And we're in a funky market right now, as anybody listening to this. I mean, depending if you're listening to it right now in 2022, it will change again. And so, but if you build out the pipeline now, build out the trust, when that shifts, you'll be in a fantastic position. I can tell you that there's a lot of very experienced brokers, Jordan, that do not like to reach out and don't like to prospect. And they're going to be losing referral partners on the other side of this because they don't know how to do it anymore. They lost the edge. And so this is a great opportunity for anybody who's a rookie. Just, you know, get now's the time to grow, man. Build mind share so that when market share comes back, you will get market share with it. And so um, I think you're absolutely on the right track. It's awesome, man. Okay, thanks for chatting with me, brother.
0: All right, yeah, thanks Scott, glad to be here.
1: Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. Hopefully, you got a couple nuggets to take away from my conversation with Jordan. It's always a pleasure to chat with one of our agents, and especially a guy like Jordan, who just has so much drive. And I have no doubt that he is going to continue to see his business grow and expand as he starts to get more momentum. If you're listening to this, you're like, how do I get my business going? I'd encourage you to go check out rookie to rockstar.ca. It's a free webinar that I put together that shows you exactly how we help new mortgage brokers build successful referral-based businesses faster than anyone else. Check it out at rookie to rockstar.ca. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I love mortgage brokering production.